following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, I got to tell you a funny story before I get started. A funny story. So a son who was a pastor called his dad on New Year's Day and said, Dad, what's your New Year's resolution? And the dad said, to make your mother as happy as I possibly can. And so in a little while, the mom got on the phone and the son said, Mom, what's your New Year's resolution? She said, to make your dad understand he's going to keep that resolution. (laughs) That's pretty funny. It's a good way to start. I'm going to speak today on I will be better. Now, I was was telling you something about giving. Our ushers will be outside. If you have a legacy gift to give and you want to predate it, 2020, we'll receive that from you today. If you have something like you want to catch up on your giving, you can predate that check and we'll we'll take that today. But they'll be at the door with buckets in their hand, not chicken fried, not, 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 not Colonel Sanders buckets, but just buckets to receive from you uh, what you need to give and what you want to give to the church of the living God. Thank you for giving and thank you for causing us to be able to do this because of your gift. And you heard me preach two weeks ago, it's because of your giving we have this. Would you clap your hands for giving today? Amen. That's a joy. Now, I'm not going to be lengthy, but I'm going to speak today on I will be better. I will be better. Say it with me. I will be be better. Do you believe that? All right. You may be seated. One of the greatest enemies in our culture today is the entitlement mentality. This idea somebody has makes them think that people owe them something has created a society that is soft on personal responsibility for our own lives. But when we realize that the world doesn't owe us anything, we are then able to focus on the incredible potential that God put within us. Uncover and release the greatness that is within us. I declare to you, God doesn't make junk. He makes great things. We're made in His image after His likeness. And there may be illegitimate relationships, but there are no illegitimate children. All God's kids are special to Him. In fact, Winston Churchill made this statement. He said, the price of greatness is responsibility. He said, you see somebody that's great, they took responsibility for their own lives. So I want to begin by asking us some questions today. What does it mean to you to become better? What does that mean to you today? First of all, you must understand that God wants you to be everything he created you to be. Many, many scientists said that our brain, when we're using it, we think at the fullest, is probably less than 10% being used. We have so much untapped potential inside of us. And God wants us to use what we have for the glory of the Lord. And secondly, to realize that God will do His part, but you must do your part. Amen. Raise your hand and say, I'm going to help me today. <laughs> All right. The second principle is mainly this, that God will not impart blessings on people in the lap of laziness. 
He wants you to get up and account for yourself in this life. And somebody say, I will be better. So there's two principles I want to impart today, just two. We're going to continue this next week and we're going to continue it the third week. It's a three-part series and I'm, I'm going to do the first two principles today on I will be better. But to become better, I think, first of all, the first thing that you have to do is to keep pressing forward. You got to keep pressing forward. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Now, the rest of the verse says, to the mark, to the mark, that mark, you press on to the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ in your life. We will not get better until we challenge ourselves and stretch ourselves to the next level that God wants us to be at. Don't let your past victory, folks, become your last victory. Don't live on yesterday. You can't feed on ashes. If the fire's gone out, build a new fire. Let's start this thing all over again. You can't live on 2020. Some of you folks couldn't wait to get out of 2020. Well, now you're out of it. Let's go forward and let's keep pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ in our life. Clap your hands real big for that. I, uh, the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright designed many beautiful buildings and homes and other magnificent structures. And toward the end of his career, a reporter came up to him and asked him, of your many famous designs, Mr. Wright, which one was your favorite? And without missing a beat, Frank Lloyd Wright answered, my next one. My next one. Even though Mr. Wright was incredibly successful, he was still pressing forward, still anticipating his best days were ahead. I told the Lord when I turned 60 years old, 85 years ago, <laughs> I said, Lord, I want my 60s to be my greatest decade. I want it to be the greatest decade I've ever had because many people are quitting in their 60s. I want to I go through my 60s blazing. I want to push. I want to press. You know what God did? He gave me the greatest decade I've ever had in my ministry. So guess what I did when I turned 70? When I turned 70, I said, God, I want to back up now and ask one more time. I want my 70s to overwhelm the 60s. And God said, let's walk together. Let's go. It's time for us not to look back and boast about what we've done, but we've got to press forward. Let me ask you a question. What is next for you? Are you assuming your best days are all behind you? Or do you believe some of your best days are still ahead of you? Are you looking forward, expecting great things in your life? I often hear people make excuses for being stuck in the same place. Statements like, you know, I've achieved a lot in my life, Pastor. I really have. But I'm stuck, but I've achieved a whole lot. I'm better off than most, you know. I can't complain. I went further than anyone expected me to go. But you hadn't gone far enough yet because you're still alive. And if God was finished with you, you'd be with the angels learning how to play the harp. But you're not with them yet. You're still here. So why don't we take 2021 right by the, by the neck and say, I'm coming after you. And I'm going to press forward in the name of the Lord. I want to introduce you today, many of you probably know this person, but her name is Frances Hasselbein. She's 105 years old, 
and she's still alive and still kicking. She was born November the 1st of 1915. And at 50, she became a Girl Scout troop leader. There's her picture right there. Not the most beautiful lady in the world, but I sure would like to know her. I really, really would. Because an unhandsome man's talking about an unbeautiful lady, so we're even, all right? She served 10 years till she was 60 in that role. Then in 1976, she was selected the CEO of Girl Scouts of America. And she was given credit to turn the Girl Scouts completely around. She led over 2 million girls, 750,000 volunteers, and 30,000 on the payroll for 14 solid years. Then after that, when she was 75 years old, she took a job as teaching leadership at West Point Military Academy. She taught cadets how to be leaders. And she used her stick like mom used to use her over my head when she was teaching me. She just turned 105 years old. A pastor friend of mine had her come speak to his staff. And after she spoke, there was some Q&A and one of the staff members raised his hand and asked a very stupid question. He said, can you tell us your age? And she said, we do not discuss age. For to discuss age is to speak the language of the past. You've got to get this now. It's like when I was 14, I did. When I was 20, I did. When I was 25, I did. She said, we don't talk that language. If you're called to serve, you know what you should be doing. And when you get through with that, There'll be something else waiting on you. You just keep serving. Your life will get better the minute you realize there is no future in your past. And the minute you decide to not waste one more day of your life regretting your yesterdays, rehearsing your yesterdays, nursing and cursing your yesterdays, because God never performs his greatest feats in your yesterdays. They're always in your nows and in your tomorrows. Can you clap your hands for that? I'm going to push for that. I'm going to press on for that. So you got to overcome your negative history by pushing forward. Maybe you're struggling today because the people before you made some bad choices. Maybe you were born in a dysfunctional family. I, I apologize for that. I'm sorry for you for that. But believe me, you're not in a dysfunctional family today. You're in a place where God can take you to a level that you never dreamed possible. And I'm preaching to people in this house right now. God can take you to a, a location, a place, a place, a place. Amen. I'm thinking of the old song, I know a place. Woo! Ain't nobody crying. I don't know how it goes, but ain't nobody dying. Come with me, I'll take you there. It's time for this church to lift up its head and say, I get a hold of 2021 and I will press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of my Savior. Come on. That's what we're talking about. The things we don't overcome in life, the issues we leave on the table will be passed down for the next generation to deal with. But the good news is every right decision you make, every time you honor God, Every time you do the right thing, not only are we making life better for ourselves, but we're making life a little easier for the generation that comes after us. You know, one of the greatest tragedies in the history of our nation is just three numbers, 911, 911. 
And I know I'm, I, I, I'm reaching back now, but I want to go back to history because I want, to, I want to bring something to your present. Our country responded in a lot of different ways. But I think one of the best responses happened when the United States Navy took seven and a half tons of steel from New York's fallen World Trade Center and built a warship designed for missions that included special operations against terrorists. <laughs> get them, USA, get them. Steel from the World Trade Center was melted down in the foundries in a foundry in Louisiana. And, and the story says that those Cajun men down there building that ship and molding the steel for that ship many times would have to take out handkerchiefs and wipe their eyes because of the tears they shed for this country. Because they knew they were doing a noble cause to build something for our country. And the USS New York was being built with a sense of purpose by every hand that touched it. And the ship's motto became, never forget, never. And one naval captain said, it has a big meaning to all of us. He said, they knocked us down, but they can't keep us down. We're going to be back. Amen. We're going to keep pressing. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. I heard a Marine right there. I heard it. You hear me, something's got to get a hold of our spirit that says when we get knocked down in life, we will determine to get better in life. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm going to get knocked down from time to time, but I will get up and I will go forward and I will become better because God has something better waiting for me down the road of life. Say amen. You can lay down, you can stay down, or you can keep pressing forward. I choose to keep pressing forward. Beautiful story in Luke 5. Peter has been fishing all night and has caught nothing. The next morning, Jesus is on the shore and there's two boats there and he decides to get in one. And would you know it, he chooses Peter's boat to get into. <laughs> And he launches it out a little bit and he teaches the people on the land and evidently Pete's in the boat. And he turns to Peter, it's not fishing time. Nighttime is fishing time. It's not fishing time in the morning. He said, Peter, he said, uh, cast your nets into the deep and catch a draw to fish. And Pete said, Lord, we fished all night and we have caught nothing. But then something smote his heart. He said, but nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will launch out into the deep. And when he pulled the nets in, they were full of fish. Here's what I want to tell you. I don't care what's happened in your night of fishing that you've caught nothing. And 2020 was nothing in your life except a pandemic and wearing a mask and hiding your beautiful face. But I do know one thing, that a word of the Lord is being spoken today. It's time to launch out. It's time to step up. It's time to say, I've got a new day in my life and cast your nets into the deep for a draw to fish. And what you need to say is, I'm gonna forget about those losses last year. I'm gonna forget about the fact that I lost a job. I'm gonna forget about the fact that my family suffered. I'm gonna forget about the fact that we were down many times and didn't know how we was gonna pay our rent, didn't know how we was gonna get up. But I will stand up today, and I will take my net, and I will cast it into the water, into the deep, because you have said so. 
I believe the word of God is just that powerful and just that potent. You hear his word and do his will and he will fill your net up this year. Some of you know, many of you say what we have done so many times isn't getting the same results it used to get. Maybe you felt that it was your marriage perhaps and perhaps a job or something that happened and we worked yesterday and it didn't work in today and what worked then didn't work now. Maybe you've heard it said, you know, I'm tired of going to another level because every time there's a new level, there's another devil. <laughs> Meaning there's opposition anytime we decide to go to a new level in life, but you've got to keep pressing forward. It doesn't matter what you face because greater is he. Come on, not. And secondly, my second beautiful point that I want to bring today. The second thing I want to tell you is simply this. You've got to be positive towards yourself. I wish I could have told you that I had a pastor dad, that I had a, a mom that was in the ministry. I wish I could have told you that. But there was many times that I was out there by myself and I didn't know what to do. But I tell you what I did do. I didn't talk down to me. I talked up to me. I said, we're going to get this done. We're going to make this happen. And I'm standing here today because I, I continue to be positive toward myself. You've got to strive to be better without becoming negative towards yourself. Zig Ziglar calls that negative stuff stinking thinking. And he's talking about people who approach life with a negative attitude. The Bible refers to the enemy as the accuser of the brethren. When he is constantly bringing accusations against us, telling us what we didn't do or what we should have done. And the voice in our heads causes us to live in constant guilt. You know I'm telling the truth. In shame and in condemnation. Thoughts like, you know, I'm not spiritual enough to be in this church or to be sitting here today. That's a lie. You know, I didn't work hard enough this week. Well, that might have happened, but don't start making those kind of statements. Or God can bless a person. God can't bless a person with a past like mine. Oh, get out of the way yourself. Watch God do his work. And I don't deserve to be happy after what I have done in my life. Get out of your way. God's got a semi headed for you right now of blessings in your life. You know, there's a town, there's a town in Norway named Hell. Hell, Norway. That's the name of the town. I didn't cuss. That's the name of the town. A couple of Lutherans from the United States visited Hell, Norway sometime back and sent a postcard to their pastor back home. And he read it at a meeting of the ministerial association and it broke the group up when he read the letter. It said, Dear Pastor, we passed through hell today and we're very concerned. Almost everyone here seems to be Lutheran. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's more than Lutherans that go through hell. Everybody's going to go through a little bit of hell. But here's the point. Go through it. Don't stay there. You can go through it, but just don't stay there. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to be walking out of this valley. I may be walking in it, but I'm coming out of it. You hear me. Let 2021 be the year that you don't stay in hell. You walk on the road of victory in your life. Come on, clap your hands real big. Paul said, the things I know I should do in Romans 7, I don't. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I end up doing. 
And even this great man of God who wrote half the New Testament struggled in this regard. Now, you've got to get this. That tells me that God doesn't disqualify me because I don't perform perfectly. Because I don't always do it 100% right. Because I miss the mark. Because I may be a C student in this Christianity thing. Or make a D and don't get any credits in college. Or I might flunk the course, have to take it again. But God's not going to be down on you. He made you. You need to understand that. And God's got a future for you that defies description. And you need to step into that. Your greatest days are still ahead of you. Get a hold of that in your life. Amen. Amen. But one of my greatest allies in becoming a better me is me. I need to believe in me. I need to be positive to me. I can't be a better me if me is always pulled down <laughs> and discouraged and wallowing in guilt and condemnation. I'm going to strive to be better without becoming negative toward myself. You need to have confidence in yourself. Confidence in yourself. Confidence in yourself. Come on, say, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Am I helping you today? Am I helping you today? Get a hold of it. This is how I live my life. Get a hold of that. Some years ago, Time Magazine reported a nervous motorist in Lambertville, New Jersey. The man on being stopped by the police explained that he had been driving, listen to me now, 224 on 224 consecutive learner's permits. Over the last 25 years. You know why? Because he flunked the driver's test the first time and was afraid to go back and flunk it again. And so he just drove on learner's permits for 25 years. It's time to get your license. It's time to say, I'm tired. I'm tired of not having my license. I want to get my license. I want to take this Jesus on a journey. I want him to take me places I've never gone before. Hallelujah. I'm ready to move forward in the name of the Lord. Oh, I'm preaching to you right now. All of us inside ourselves have an image of ourselves. And that image can be a poor self-image or a good self-image. We get better when our self-image is better. Did you know that our self-image will help or hinder God's plan for our life. When we see ourselves as unimportant, I'm almost ready to close, or inadequate, or incompetent, we sabotage what God wants to do through us in our lives. And we have to see ourselves as strong. Say strong. strong. You need to say those words. Capable. Capable. Competent. Competent. Smart. Good looking. No, that don't count. <laughs> Able. 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 A key person in God's purpose and plan knows this, that God has gifted me. Say it, God has gifted me. And he has placed me. And the world needs me. And my family needs me. And this church needs me. And I'm going to be that me. Ha <laughs> ha. 
I will be better. Come on, I'm going to be better. Having confidence in yourself is not for the purpose of replacing your confidence in God, but for the purpose of demonstrating your confidence in Him. That's why you need confidence in God. Ed McMahon, I'm dating myself now, but I I love his story. He went to 15 different schools through the 12 years, and his accent was unique and different, and people didn't accept him. Nobody, Nobody knew him. But he hung on to his father's advice all of his life. And that was this, son, here's what, you need to, here's what you need to do. You need to always try to look like that you're supposed to be where you are. And I'm not talking about crashing things and getting in the Super Bowl in some stupid costume and then running on the field. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> but you need to stand up and say, I belong with God. I belong with this church. I belong with this family. I belong with my destiny. And I am going to walk in it in Jesus' name. You're supposed to be here. Get that in your head. Confidence says God did not make a mistake when he made me because I am made in his image. Everybody say it with me. Psalms 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The same Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans 7, the things I know I should do, I don't. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I end up doing. Also said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A hundred years ago, there was a French doctor that wrote this. He said, when will comes in conflict with imagination, the imagination invariably carries the day. Now let me finish with this. Randy, if you'll help me. I want to finish with this. He said, when will comes against imagination, imagination always trumps the will. In other words, when your will or your rational, logical self comes into conflict with your imagination, your creative, right brain self, your imagination will always win. It always does. Simply put, your imagination is the key. It really is. Case in point, when I was a young boy, I had a lot of fear in my life, and I'm closing. I was a scared of scared. <laughs> I was scared to death all the time. And my brother used to make fun of me and mock me and laugh at me. And if he was alive, I'd be saying, nanny, nanny, boo-boo right now. <laughs> but I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid. My dad used to have to come in because I had nightmares all the time when I was a kid. My dad used to come in and say, son, there's nobody under your bed. And I said, Daddy, I think there is. No, there's not, son. So he would get down on his knees, bless his heart, and look under the bed and say, son, there's nobody there. I said, can I look? Yeah, you can look, son. So I'd look under the bed, and there was nobody there. But when he'd go out and turn the light out, all of a sudden, my room was filled with people under my bed. And when I was evangelizing, my greatest fear happened in in a pastor's home because the pastor's son hid under my bed one night and went to sleep waiting on me to come to my room and go to bed. And when I turned the light out and got in bed, me getting in bed woke him up and he hit his head, hit the slat underneath the bed and war was on. <laughs> the thing that I feared all my childhood happened to me when I was, <laughs> you don't need to know all of that. 
I wore that young man out. I got him down and I just beat the tar out of his arm. <laughs> kindly, kindly, in a ministerial way. But I was always so afraid. My imagination always overwhelmed my will. That's why the Bible said you've got to cast down those imaginations. Bring every one of them into captivity. You've got to capture your imagination and not let your imagination take over the will that God has for your life. God's got something great for you. You hear me? God's got something great for you. He wants you to be great in the kingdom of God. He wants every one of us to be great. I'm talking to you right now. He wants you to be great. I don't care if you're 17 or 77. God wants you to be great in the kingdom. There's not a better message that I want to preach today to this congregation. I want you to understand this. You're his creation and you matter. And that's all that matters. Don't worry about hell, Norway. We're all going to go through hell. We're not going to live there. That's just for the Lutherans. <laughs> I love you. Would you stand? You're awesome people. Don't write me any letters. I'm teasing, all right? Would you stand? Stand up. Now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm asking Pastor Brad and Cassidy to come. I'm asking Philip and Annie to come, and they know where they need to stand. By the way, while Pastor Brad and Cass are coming, I want you to give them a hand. 15 years they've been ministering in this church. 15 years. 15 years. Come on, give them a great hand. That's my beautiful son-in-law, my wonderful daughter. Give them a hand. 15 years. They have served this church faithfully. Come on, that needs to be bigger. That needs to be better. Give them a big old hand. That's, bad. That's good. I love these young'uns. I love them. And they're going to do so much better than I've ever done because the future's so bright and it's so glorious because we're closer to the coming of Jesus than we've ever been. And this church is going to shine like a, like a polished penny. It's going to shine. It's going to shine. This church will be a lighthouse, a continual lighthouse for Austin, Texas. Because God said that this church will, will press forward and will have confidence in what God is doing in our lives. Now, if you receive the word today, lift your hands all over the house. If you receive the word, we're going to do something a little different today than closing. I'm going to ask you for the first time in a long time, if you'd like to come down and let's pray together at the altar, just come and make your way down right now. All you'd like to come, we're just going to pray. Stand here at the altar. Just stand here today. Isn't this beautiful? Come on. Come on. Let's make, it, let's make it a whole bunch of people. Just wear your mask if you want to. Amen. It's all right. It's all right. Come on. Come on down. I'm going to ask Philip and Annie to pray for this side, just kind of waving their hand. I'm going to ask Brad and Cass to pray for this side. You've received the word of the Lord today. You want to come down and just join in the, in the prayer right now. All you that didn't come down, we understand that. We really do. We understand that. But I want you to lift your hands toward these people. I want you to lift your hands toward them. We're going to dismiss in just a moment, but not quite yet. This is very important. And I want you to open up your mouth. And I want you to say, God, I love you today. And I know you have a purpose for my life. Amen. Let me press on. Let me press on. 
let me press forward in the name of the Lord and let me believe that you are for me and give me the confidence that I need to win this year in life. Amen. Now raise your hands all over the house and let's pray. Dear Father, I love these people and I thank you for them right now. Would you bless them? Would you touch them? Will you honor their their petitions? Will you honor their hearts? Will you honor their prayers right now? God, we want to start this year as we've never started another year. We've come out of something strong and powerful and mighty, but it hasn't conquered your church. It hasn't stopped your church. It hasn't belittled your church. The church is going to come out stronger than it's ever been. Now bless us, God, and let us go forward in the name of the Lord right now. And let us improve in all that we are. Bless us now. Take us forward. And let us always say, I will be better. I will be better. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands real big. Come on, clap your hands. Let me bless you. Let me bless you. I love you. Let me bless you. I love you. I love you. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. I love you. Let me bless you. Let me bless you. Bless them down there. Bless them. I love you all. I love you, hon. I love you. I love you. Come on, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Now let me give you a little notice here. Let me give you a little notice before you leave. We're online only Wednesday because we're going to be working hard in the church again this week. Please be patient. Next Sunday, we're back in the house of God. We're in the house of God. Say a prayer for us on Tuesday following that Sunday. Coach Fred Akers, Coach the Texas Longhorns, funeral will be here at this church. Pray for your pastor that God will give us words to speak. I love you. Have a great, great week. Let's go forward and say, I will be better. I love you. See you online Wednesday. God bless. And next Sunday in the house of God. Have a super, super week. You're the finest. I love you all. 